Good morning, Hello. and welcome to Let's Talk Movies with Moira and Shannon. It's us. <laughs> it's us. Uh, I'm Shannon Penrod. And I'm Moira Giamatteo. And I'm thrilled to be here with you, my friend. Me too. We're going to talk about movies. We are. And yes. some of the bigger blockbusters that are that are out. And then we were just saying that we're a little dock heavy this week. Yes, this yes. Month. We seem to have uh, gone on a streak. I, yes. I, so I have a question for you. Do you say documentary or do you say documentary? I say documentary, but I say documentarian if it's the person. Uh, that's doing it but i don't know it's like biopic and biopic oh i don't know i don't know what the right i i didn't really ever think about it until the other day when uh my beloved husband said to me you say it funny (laughs) and i said i do because i'm always saying uh, well i saw this documentary Mm -hmm. and he says that's i don't think that's how you say that Um, but I'm going to keep saying it however I say it because otherwise I'll have to think about it too hard and I I don't want to have to think about anything. Um, but exciting movies that we're going to do. I I want everybody to know that you can be writing in right now. We are live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. So feel free to write in. Uh, we are pre-recording this, Mm -hmm. so I will be watching and commenting, uh, as, and you know, and I I think you're busy, but you know, if you can, and we always love to hear from you either way, because we love to know what you we've reinstituted our rewind yes. which i'm really excited about um so if there's a movie that you want us to look at it doesn't have to be a current one you can write to us ask us to do that and we're happy to do that uh we always like to start with an update if you have anything that you want to tell us from taka well we are gearing up for our in-person conference that's coming uh, in october the weekend of the 20th i think and yeah. we have a wonderful speaker shannon penrod's going to be you. there i'm speaking on Friday morning. Friday morning. I'm excited. It's it's gonna be a great um a great weekend. We also are making available, like anybody that's registered to go in person will also be able to view the recorded sessions after the fact. From, Which is great. Like, yeah, November 13th through the end of the year, you'll have a- access to that. And if you cannot make it in person, there is a separate ticket for just recorded access, and that's $75. And you will get recorded sessions, same time frame, November 13th through the end of the year. Watch all of them. Again and again, take notes, yeah. um, and that is a, and there are scholarships available if that is out of your reach. For California regional center clients, we are vendored with the mm-hmm. regional center, so that is something you could apply for with the regional center with your caseworker. Um, and uh, come one, come all. It's a good weekend to learn, you know. Well, and we've kind of buried the headline because you know, I mean, yes, I am speaking on Friday morning, but Temple Grandin is Dr. Temple Grandin is the keynote speaker. Yes. She she will be there. There's even a meet and greet where you can stand in line to actually meet her. Yes. And which she is, is an amazing. absolute doll about signing books. She yep. will sign. Um, there, I'm sure she will bring. Last time she was a speaker for us, she brought books you could purchase. I bought several as gifts for people, and she signed multiple copies. I mean, she's a doll. Be, you can't absolute beat it. Absolute doll. Uh, and she's lovely. And if you haven't had an opportunity to meet her in your life, you should really put that on your bucket list. Mm-hmm. And that's a great opportunity mm-hmm. because there is a meet and greet on the schedule. So yes. So, um, you know, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So, and not only that, you guys have the best resource fair. I listen, there's, uh, is it three or four tracks that you guys have at the same time? I, I think it's I think three. It's three. I think, I don't remember if we, and then, uh, they're going to kill me at, back at the office. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but we do try to tailor them to, um, we do have an adult, adult. Yeah. 
issues and concerns and learning sessions. Um, but we also have some take action sessions in this conference, which I think will be super helpful to help you get your mind around all of this. And there'll be volunteers there and people whose brains you can pick. Yeah. And um, it's very, um, it's very good. You walk away with a game plan and that's yeah. what, what we always want. You see. also walk away with your batteries recharged because yes. you get to be with other people who are like-minded yeah. and like-minded and different-minded who will help you to learn something that you walk away with that maybe you didn't know before, but you feel like, oh, I have a community. I have mm-hmm. a base. Uh, so it's really wonderful. The point I was trying to make is because there's, there's these different tracks. So right. most like things like Temple Grandin, everybody goes to see that. Mm-hmm. It's open to everybody. But then at other times, like when I'm speaking, there's two other speakers at the exact same time. So you can kind of look and go, okay, do I want, what do I need today? Mm -hmm. And then you go to that one today. But what's great is then you get the recording so you can go and watch the other two. Mm -hmm. Every other conference I've been to, it's like when there are multiple tracks, you feel like you lose out. Yes. You feel like I don't, Sophie's choice. What am I missing? And you don't, you don't want to do that. And the other thing for me, because I have the attention span of lettuce is that often I will go in and I, I usually I come and I interview people at the the resource fair and I get really into all of that and then I find I've missed half of the talk for the right. one that just started right so what's great is that you can look at all of it afterwards and it's really about helping you with wherever you are right now right. Right. it's not one size fits all it's really about charting your course and if you're not sure where you are there's people to help you to figure yes. out where yes we will have a mentor table so our, our volunteer mentors will be there to help you look at the schedule and maybe determine what's my priority right now. Here are the issues. Oh, you need to see this lecture or whatever. And that, that's kind of the thing I think that makes Taka special are our beautiful, amazing, intelligent volunteers who have hearts of gold and are just willing to help you not have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. They want to reach out to the person behind them to forward. So I, I love that about Taka. And there's, and there's everybody under the sun. Like Mm -hmm. you, you know, I I remember the first time I ever went to a Taka conference and there were all these people in these matching shirts. And I I was like, is it a cult? Is it an (laughs) army? What is this? But then, you know, then I talked to a dad, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had a whole big long conversation and then I talked to a mom who was there with a baby in a stroller. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there's just like everybody in every walk of life in any, because listen, that's our community. That's our community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We are, we are a big old spectrum rainbow of everything. And, and that's really represented at Taka. So Mm -hmm. I think uh, you should go. You should go. And <laughs> you should go. You should and go. listen, I don't know anybody that's ever gone, not a single person that's ever gone and not come back and said that was life changing. Mm, good. And that includes people who who simply go virtually and, right. and and are looking at videos later on. So, yeah. you know, I'm just saying you should do that. That's all. That's uh, okay. And I will be there. <laughs> and uh, so see me when you're there. And I'll be there too. There we go. <laughs> we'll, maybe we can talk movies while we're sitting there. Ooh, that'd be fun. Uh, that'd be really fun. <laughs> we'll start a little subgroup. Anyway. All right. So uh, we reached that point in the program where we are going to talk about what are you watching? Uh, because this is my favorite conversation. I know. 
Super fun. <laughs> Ever. Super fun. Uh, so where do we want, I'm, and I don't know if you're advancing slides, Traven. Uh, I didn't even think to ask that. Uh, we're going to start out by talking about uh, this first movie. Right. And we're going to look at it right here. And here it comes. Coming. Here it comes. It's I believe coming. it's Indiana Jones. It is. It is. It's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And, of course, it's Harrison Ford in the the classic role of Indiana Jones, with the, joined by Phoebe Waller Bridge and the um, Mads Mickelson. Yeah. Uh, Mads Mickelson. Do oh, I? Do I, I have to? Okay. I do. I'm oh, just checking. Okay. All right. I okay. have to love All right. Things. All right. You're allowed. Okay. Toby Jones and Ethan Isidore, directed by James Mangold. So. I really love Harrison Ford, and I remember going to Grauman's Chinese Theater in 77 to see Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I remember going to the Americana in the Valley to see Indiana Jones in 1981. So he's been a heartthrob for me, for my whole my whole life. Um, and we recently re-watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. and I think that was very helpful for this film for me, <laughs> because n- not a fan of, of Temple of Doom, and by comparison, this is... One of the better, you know, one of the fun offerings. It was wonderful to see him fighting Nazis again. It seems we're always needing to fight Nazis, so it's nice to see yeah. Indy take them on. Um, and, you know, of course, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, if, if you know, she's oh. fabulous. If you haven't seen Fleabag, you must. Um, I just, the premise is the Dial of Destiny is an artifact that uh, created by Archimedes that can allow for time travel. So, of course, the Nazis want it. And we, with some, the magic of CGI, we see Harrison Ford as a young man in the 40s in uh, fighting with, near the end of the war, fighting with Mads Mikkelsen and a bunch of other Nazis to keep that, that dial out of the wrong hands. Um, and then uh, we end up back, uh, transported to the late 60s, Later on, and Indy is now about to retire from his professorship at Hunter College, and he's, you know, I mean, Harrison Ford is in his 80s now, you know, and looking, you know, looking like a man in his 80s, a handsome man in his 80s, but still. So now the goddaughter of his friend that we'd met shows up, and they're trying to find the dial, and and the the, uh, adventure goes forward. Um... And I, you know, I'm not sorry I saw this, but I, I hate to say it, it was a little forgettable, mm. you know. But again, because I had just seen Temple of Doom, and that's just so terrible, um, <laughs> that I was like, I was like, this is better than Temple of Doom, you know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right thing, but the best moment for me was near the end, and I won't spoil it, but I felt like Indy faces his failures and kind of his regrets, and there was a lovely emotional moment in that, and I thought that was a nice moment for that character, Um, but... Overall, I'm like, eh, it was fun, but interesting. What do you think? I'm going to surprise you. Oh. I loved it. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I loved it. I, I I am not a huge Harrison Ford fan, although, like, I'm talking acting wise. Oh. I feel like he's kind of, you know, it's it's all going to be a specific one note kind of a thing. <laughs> I have had the great distinct uh, distinctive pleasure of waiting on Harrison Ford when I was a waitress in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where he lived and had a ranch for many years. And I can tell you, he's a gentleman and he has the most beautiful skin that ever a person had, which is 
inexplicable as much as he's been out in the sun. I don't, yeah. but I mean, I, I just couldn't get over how his skin looked. This was many, many, many years ago. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I enjoyed the first in Indiana Jones movie mm-hmm. and I know I've seen the other ones, but I couldn't tell you anything about them except that my son was fascinated by them. Mm. So they would be on in our house all the time and I would see little scenes. I was not a big, big Indiana not a big Jones. Fan. And I don't know that I even saw the last one. Oh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I saw it. So my son went to see this a couple of weeks ago when it first came out because he was all excited. He was a big Indiana Jones fan. And he came home and was not a fan of this movie. Mm-hmm. He he was like, oh, the Nazis again, really? Mm. And all the CGI, he you know, he wasn't having it. So we kind of waited. And then we went and my, I loved it. My husband loved it. I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I'm the biggest Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I agree. If you have not seen Fleabag. You must. Oh, mm-hmm. it is the best thing ever. So I was worried for her because I've mm-hmm. seen her do a couple of things. And I've been like, how is her career going to flourish? Right. I thought she did a great job in this. She's a little physically awkward. So mm-hmm. her running mm-hmm. and she's a stick yeah, of a woman. So a sexy plank as, as oh, she's described. There we go. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, so just, I, I was the, all the running and hiding and dodging kind of thing. I was like, okay, uh, would have liked mm-hmm. a physical coach in there for some of that. But for the fight scenes, mm-hmm. I thought she was right there in it. And all the car chases, I, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time mm-hmm. and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and I said, do we have to love Mads Mikkelsen because the only time I truly love him is when he's playing a villain. Yeah. When he's trying to play a straight character, I'm not having it. Oh, did you see that another round or whatever the one? Yes, I and I absolutely hated ah. that. Ah. I, I hated that. That's why I said, do I have to? I just hate, I hated the movie. I hated the premise of the movie. Oh. I hated him in the movie. It's like, let's be drunk all the time. Right. We can manage it. Eh. I, well, Mads can manage it. Well, not in my book. Not in my book. But I, I allow that for you, but not mm-hmm. in my book. But I thought that I lo- I'm a huge fan of Toby Jones, too. Mm. I love the CGI. They've gotten it better and better. It's still a little funky. The lighting of it is just, but mm-hmm. I was shocked at how much of the movie was the CGI mm. and I kind of want to know how, but I, I bought it. I was in mm. it. I was, I was like, okay, this makes sense to me. Um, I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it. I thought I was, I, I thought it was a rip roaring time. Mm-hmm. I then went to a movie the next night, which we'll talk about next month. And it was the exact same movie with different <laughs> actors in a different time period. I, I can't get over that, but we'll talk over, about that we'll talk next about month. That next month. <laughs> next month. We'll talk about Stay that. Tuned. All right. All right. Moving on our next film. Uh Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what is it? it oh, is, it is Asteroid City, and here's <laughs> here's where I lose my cool kid status because <laughs> I don't like Wes Anderson, but I, you know, I just don't get it. But fabulous cast. I mean, look at this cast. Yes, Scarlett Johansson. Jason I had to do Ford. two columns, and I left people out. I know. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's just an amazing cast. Um, did we say it's Asteroid City? Did it is. Yeah, it? I did say Asteroid okay, City. Thank yeah. You. So for those of you listening. And um, so this is of uh, the film. Is, the premise is about gathering these this group of smart kids who are going to get a science award and also there to observe a celestial phenomenon in Asteroid City. The city is a remote desert town whose claim to fame is an asteroid fell, fell to Earth there and made a giant crater. So as with... All Wes Anderson films, the visuals are 
everything. Yeah. I mean, the color, the composition, it's fabulous. The story, not so much. Um, Jason Schwartzman um, is a Wes Anderson regular, and he plays the father of young boy who's getting one of the awards and also uh, triplet girls. And he hasn't told them that their mother had died previously three weeks prior and is going to do so on this trip. So there's all this kind of, oh, what's going to happen? And the car breaks down and they end up being stuck in this town. And then Scarlett Johansson is one of the other parents and she's also a movie star and she looks amazing. She's got like Liz Mm. Taylor, black hair, and she looks incredible. Um, So it's a visual feast. But there was a moment with uh, Jason Schwartzman's character where he... There's a play within the film, you know, all that stuff. And he questions the director, am I doing it right? I don't understand the play. And I felt like raising my hand and saying, me? Neither. I'm with you. So I know he's beloved, Wes Anderson, but I don't get it. I kind of want him to direct something he didn't write Mm. because I feel like it's so quirky and it keeps me at a distance. Mm. So... I think you're a fan, so you tell me. Well, I am not a Wes Anderson fan. I'm very hit and miss with him where, you know, I will see things and I will go, okay, it's clever, but you don't have me. Right. And the story doesn't hold up. And um, so I get annoyed more often than not. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not a diehard fan. And then every once in a while he'll do something and I'll go, that, that right there is really good. Why can't you do a whole movie Mm -hmm. like that? I think he's come pretty darn close with this one. Okay. I loved this movie. Did you? Okay. I just, I like, oh, I loved it so much. And I loved the visuals. I loved how he, I'm very much, you know, I'm going to go all theater professor on you, but yeah. I love Brecht. Mm-hmm. And I love Brecht, you know, says, I'm not going to allow you to get comfortable in your seat. I'm going to remind you that you're watching a play. Well, and and, I and he kept doing that. Watching this. Yes. I thought, oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and it was like just when you would get comfortable, he'd go, Rump, and mm-hmm. now we're going to take you outside, and we're going to hear the actors talking about a scene that's yet to come. I loved that. Mm-hmm. I loved how he made fun of himself. I loved the the bad sort of low tech uh, effects. Mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious. I laughed hysterically. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It fell apart in the end for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like he chimped out at the end and didn't know how to end it and was like, mm, I guess I'm going to do this. And it would, and that was bad. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm a hundred percent confident that this should be in the 10 best pictures for the year. Um, I don't think it will be best picture, mm-hmm. um, largely because of the end. If, if he did not stick the, the landing mm-hmm. on the end, but if he had, I, it's the best movie I've seen this year. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, what, what's the best movie you've seen this year? Uh, probably reality. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that one took me by surprise, you know, and I think I kind of knew going in that I might get annoyed (laughs) by Wes Anderson being quirky. And there's always lists. And I was actually going to make a list of how how it annoyed me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I found it charming. And I just thought it was witty and Hmm. and unexpected. But this time, sometimes his stories I don't get. This Mm. story I I was with all all the way up until the end. And I went, oh, Wes. Oh, Wes. (laughs) Oh, Wes. Who didn't stop you from doing this? Wes, Wes, Wes. But yeah, so that right. was me. Loved it, loved it. There you go. But I appreciate you going to see it because oh, I was I, I was do, so I excited. I watch Wes Anderson for you. That's how much. Well, I, love I, you. I watched Renfield for you. <laughs> exactly. So I, uh, there we go. All right, here we go. What's our next, next movie? Next up 
is no hard feelings with uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Andrew Barth Feldman, and Matthew Broderick. And um, so this film has a really simple premise. Jennifer Lawrence's, Lawrence's character is a local in Montauk, and she kind of hates when all the summer crowd comes in, and um, a bunch of rich people are making it difficult for the working class to afford to live there because it's a beautiful seaside location. Um, her car gets repossessed, and now she doesn't have the ability to make money off of these summer vacationers by doing her Uber driving. Um, she finds an ad in Craigslist requesting a young lady show a young man about to leave for college the ways of the world. Um, P.S. The ad is placed by said young man's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and the prize for making him a man um, is a low mileage Buick. Um, and uh, Coincidentally. So, coincidentally, yes. yes. Interesting. Um, so the fact that her character is 32 and the young man is 19, you kind of have to just, I'm just going to put that aside or else it'll stop you from watching this. And Harold and Maude, this ain't. This is yeah. no Harold and Maude. Um, it was uneven, I felt. The film was uneven, but it does allow us to see Jennifer Lawrence and her fabulous comedic skills. Um, and the, the young man, um, Andrew Barth Feldman, added a lovely layer of tenderness. And, um, and he also, they just played off each other very well. And they develop a, they've developed a very believable friendship, you know? And I, I liked all that about it. There are funny moments, um, but it kind of wavered between being like a Porky's raunchy sex comedy and then trying to be Harold and Maude. And so it felt like a little bit Hmm. uneven in all of that and my darn watch keeps going off um uh, (laughs) um, but like i said i just like to see jennifer lawrence doing different things so i was happy to see this so but yeah it was okay what about you what do you think uh well i thought it was a summer romp and and for that i give it top marks Mm -hmm. to me it was pretty woman meets um (laughs) pretty woman meets mystic pizza right the two things put together right and uh and it wasn't something we're not going to get any award nominations for this Mm -hmm. um it's not that kind of a movie but i thought it was a summer movie Mm -hmm. it was sort of and there was an element of romance but i thought it was respectfully done in terms of the age difference in terms of that mm-hmm. um and you know it wasn't brilliant mm-hmm. no awards here but i enjoyed it mm-hmm. there were a couple of things that were hilarious yes one moment in particular that i laughed so hard that i was disruptive in the movie theater and we thought we were going to have to call an ambulance <laughs> it is the second hardest i have ever laughed in a movie the first one being for your consideration laughing at what is her name the oh Catherine O'Hara oh so <laughs> I, I, and I I did I laughed so hard and so long that I was disruptive and making it so that people couldn't hear and I couldn't stop mm. I just kept on mm. laughing and I was doing the fat woman <laughs> <laughs> kind of laughing and I just it was and that I if you can do that for me I'm a fan I'm I'm all in mm-hmm. um and so there was definitely that moment and then there were other moments that I thought okay there's a shock factor to some of it I mm-hmm, think you know mm-hmm. that they were trying really hard to be relevant and mm-hmm. you know instead of just keeping it a sweet little story but I thought it was funny I also there have been so many people who've had so much to say about the helicopter parenting of the parents <laughs> but you know mm-hmm. I I identify as a helicopter well, parent I saw it with 
my daughter and she kept giving me the side eye. <laughs> yes. I was like, all right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, yeah. and in that respect, I felt, you know, that it said something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that it was interesting, the relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that there, there was definitely, a something there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say spark because that makes it sound like it's sexual in nature, no, which it wasn't. It was, yeah. But there was something about these two actors that mm-hmm. was compelling, yes. I guess is the way I want yeah. to say So I think it's worth going to it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, but you've got to know what you're going into, yes. that it's just fluff. Yeah. It's just summer fluff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably a good date movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. And it's not for younger not kids. Not for the young youngsters no. You. <laughs> no 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 uh so right. anyway okay and then i think we move on to some all, of our docs all of our documentaries yes of which there are are, are legion um speed cubers is a documentary directed by sue kim and um it features max park and felix zemdegs and um they it's about people that are the fastest at solving rubik's cubes puzzle not just the three by three which is the classic but also a four by four version that that came out later those just hurt my brain so i'm i'm amazed when people can do this and there's also a separate category for people who can do it with one hand and it's incredible to watch um so the focus is on max park a young man with autism who has shown an incredible ability to solve Rubik's cubes. Um, and he, they, I think his parents originally were like here for fine motor skills. Why don't you try this? And he's competing with champions from all over the world. And he ends up competing against his idol, Felix Zemdegs, who holds most of the world records through the competition. He knocks down each one of Felix's records, but they could become friends. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. Max's parents, um, you know, discovering this interest, they were like a lot of us folks, you know, with kiddos on the spectrum, if they're interested in something. It's like, this is a great thing. They like it. It could be a social thing we could do. And so that's yeah. the way they end up exploring this. And I think the message to me is uh, it gives, it renews my faith in humanity to see what a lovely young man um, this Felix <laughs> gentleman is. And of course, Max is delightful. Mm-hmm. And it's another sort of reaffirming follow your child's lead into yeah. what they're interested in because it will open up a world much like my son's interest in animals has opened up this whole world for me, for our family, mm-hmm. for him, you know, so that's, I really love that. And, and, uh, Schwan, um, Max's dad, he's presented at Taka conferences before, and he is just a nice guy, yeah, just a it. sweetheart. So, I very much enjoyed this. What did? What were your thoughts? Oh, I loved it. I deeply enjoyed it too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a good film. Mm-hmm. I want to say that. Yes, it's good storytelling. It, you don't have to have a child on the spectrum to deeply appreciate the subject matter. I think anybody could watch this, and it's compelling. I'm using that word again, but um, but you know because it becomes. So much of life is, you know, like Game of Thrones. It's this mm-hmm. thing about, okay, we've got these two titans, and it starts out that way, people talking about, well, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Max. Well, I'm a fan of Felix. 
and you know who is going to be the person who's going to do this and and yet it's surprising mm-hmm. in that it, we see the humanity of yeah. of both of these young men yes. and how important it is to them but how important their relationship is and what that relationship is within this whole community yes. of people who are speed gamers and you know what it's like to triumph and what it's like to not triumph and mm-hmm. what that means I, I just thought it was really beautifully done good storytelling mm-hmm. I do want to say that um, last month Max broke another record did you see that in the I news I did not yes oh, um, he broke another uh, record and and so that's just a lovely thing and and I also love that we got to know his parents a little bit yes. and I love that it wasn't the first thing that we learned about him was that he was on the autism spectrum right, right. like we got to see that he is a speed cuber hero right and that he had all these fans for quite a while before the parents said oh he's on the spectrum and then before you even got to see that like the level of on the spectrum that he is mm-hmm. because he's not this you know incredibly over verbal mm-hmm. think tank uh, very you know mm-hmm. that kind of on the spectrum that mm-hmm. is not the kind of on the spectrum he is mm-hmm. and I just felt that the way that was handled was particularly fabulous yep. with dignity. Yeah. I just loved it mm-hmm. because isn't that what we all, we all want our kids to be known for who they are. Yes. Not it's, for what their number rating is on some ridiculous scale of right. whatever. Right. Throw that in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love that. We got to know Max. Yes. First. Yeah. Before we talked about diagnosis. So yeah. Yeah, you good know, job. Fabulous, fabulous show. And I can't remember which streaming, sir. Oh, Netflix. It says right there. Netflix. A Netflix documentary. Yes. <laughs> it's available so, to you right now. Available right it's, now. The, the film is a couple of years old, and I feel mm-hmm. like it probably didn't get as much hype as it would have because it came out in the pandemic. Pandemic, yeah. But mm-hmm. you should be watching it and Definitely. spread the word. Yep. All right, let's take a look at what our, our next, next one is. Our next documentary is Rock's, Rock Hudson, All That Heaven Allowed, um, directed by Stephen Kajak. And, of course, our, the fabulous Rock Hudson is the feature. And the, the, this is the life and career of Rock Hudson covered by that, uh, this documentary. But the title is kind of a play on one of his biggest hit movies, All That Heaven Allows. Um, and it's, it's, we follow the creation of Rock Hudson. Because he, he was a skinny, closeted gay man from Illinois named either... Two different things I've saw, seen. Name was either Roy Harold Shearer or Roy Fitzgerald. So mm. people can comment and tell me which one's right. Um, what struck me about the documentary is they were mostly voiceovers with yeah. intercut with uh, footage from him and home movies and different yeah. things like that. And then eventually we meet some former lovers and mm-hmm. friends that were in the inner circle of his closeted gay life. Yeah. And those gentlemen are interviewed on screen. Yeah. So that was that was an interesting choice because, you know, they had people like Doris Day yeah. and Linda Evans talking about yeah. interacting with Rock. And the, his coming out eventually at the end of his life as having been a gay man and having AIDS was, I think... Uh, and they mentioned in the documentary, it probably saved lives. Yeah. And I think it was a, a it it was a a way to put a face on this this horrible thing that was not even being talked about by you know by our president at the time. So it was also the fact that he was such a man's man. Yeah. And I think that that sort of 
upset people's preconceived notions at the time of what what does it mean to be a gay man. And um, so that I thought was really great that they they kind of focused on that. But I was amazed by how his his sexuality was very well known within Hollywood, but not outside of it. Yeah. And um, that would not happen today. No, there's just no way. But I think that nobody had anything negative to say about him. So I think that was part of it. There was this loyalty towards kind of protecting the image, you know. And interestingly, he had to have certain training to look look more butch, you know, yeah. which was interesting to me, I, you know, because he just seems to embody the all-American hunk kind of yeah. thing. And it was, and, it, and it's interesting. I mean, behind the mask, he was apparently just lovely, kind, gentle person. And um, also, warning, if you're going to watch this with with your mother-in-law, which I did, (laughs) there's some pretty graphic conversations and uh, some male nudity. So... Heads yeah. up. But I, I found it an interesting documentary. I was, I was pleased to see, you yeah. know, kind of what his inner life was like. What about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm a huge Rock Hudson fan and always was. And years ago, when I first got out of college, I got to work in an office with his best friend, oh. uh, Jim Menon, who, because mm-hmm. I, when I was working in New York on Broadway shows, Jim Menon was the company manager for Cats. And I was working... Um, I, in, I was the office manager for the office that was ran that show. Mm-hmm. So I would hear all these stories about Rock Hudson. Mm-hmm. And this, I, I think it was uh, like right as he was being diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think, it's funny because in my mind, I knew that he had AIDS. And so I, it's sort of like my mind plays tricks on me. Like when about the when world came, Yeah, when yeah. the world knew. Mm-hmm. But, um, and Jim only had wonderful things to say about Rock Hudson. And, and I re- remember the first time I went to see Cats and I'm working in this big Broadway office now and they send me to go see Cats and the next morning they want to know what I think of it. And even then I was somebody who was way too uh, <laughs> open with my opinions and I said, oh my God, it's terrible. It is terrible. It's just horrible. Why, why is it the longest running show on Broadway? It's just horrible. Mm-hmm. And I watched everybody's face fall because that paid a lot of the bills in the office. We had other shows, but, and there's Jim Menon. He's the company manager and he was like, oh. and, and then later I said, I'm sorry, did I hurt your feelings? Cause yeah. it's your livelihood. And he said, no, he said, you're just the only other person beside rock Hudson that would tell the truth to me. And I went, what? And he said, Oh, rocks my best friend. And, and he said the same thing after he saw it, Shannon. So you're in good company. <laughs> so I've always thought about that and been so proud that nice. rock Hudson and I have the same opinion of cats. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I loved that part of it. I loved that. For me, it felt like what happened is that the community gathered around him and said, we're going to protect you. And that the decision to talk in Mm -hmm. this film, that I both loved this and I kind of want to criticize it a little bit. It seemed like they were still protecting him a great deal. That the only things that they really talk about, you know, where they talk any smack about him was his prowess in bed. And they are very, you know, they're very Very... forthcoming about that. That's why you don't want to watch it with your (laughs) mother-in-law. But nobody had it. 
nobody had a bad thing to say, but I both, I loved that. And then there was a little part of me that was like, ah, oh, I'll bet there was some stuff that you guys are still protecting him on. Yeah, um, maybe so. But I, I love that more and more, like when we saw Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. and, and they kind of glossed over the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, this is a gay man mm-hmm. who was very promiscuous mm-hmm. um, and that got AIDS and died. I felt like they did not gloss over that with Rock, that mm-hmm. they were like, this man loved sex, mm-hmm. had no problem asking for it, mm-hmm. that this was, you know, I guess maybe I would have liked to have heard more about, was he ever in love? Yeah. Was there ever a long-term partner? Right. Was, what was that like? And that part wasn't a part of the movie. Yeah. You can't really judge for what isn't a part of the movie, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I guess maybe I'd like another yeah. film yeah. about Rock Hudson. But my goodness, what a gorgeous man he was on the inside and the outside. Yes. And what a great sense of humor. And I also loved that throughout the movie, they showed all the, the movies that I grow up with loving yes. and, and showed all the places where they were kind of making fun of, making the, fact fun of the fact that, he's... that that my grandmother did not believe that he was gay. Even when they said that he'd married Jim Neighbors and my grandmother was like, I would believe that of Jim Neighbors, but not of Rock not Hudson. Of... And, you know, and they address that in the movie. So yeah. it's worth watching. Honkomatic. Yes. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. a great guy. Yep. And he had yep. the same opinion of cats as me. So there we go. There you go. Uh, me too. Okay. <laughs> Our next doc that we want to talk oh, about. Yes. Our next doc is Tony Hawk until the wheels come off. And of course, it's about the legendary skateboarder Tony Hawk. And it covers the rise, his rise to stardom and then the lean years when skateboarding kind of fell out of fashion and then how he came back again with the beginning of the X Games. Now, I was, I was riveted by the dedication and determination that he had trying to perfect these yeah. different, um, outrageous tricks but i gotta say i was super worried about the damage to his body oh yeah and of course each of the skateboarders interviewed from that time frame are all now in their over the age of 50 yeah and they're all feeling every ache and pain from the wipeouts and concussions and things like that um and it it just worried me because i thought ooh, you know i i worry about traumatic brain injury for all athletes, you know, so yeah. it, it is that, but I was blown away by their focus, you know, yeah. that was an interesting thing. However, it's like a very macho kind of uh, sport, yeah. and it was very punk rock, you know, and, yeah. I, and I, I remember that time frame because the music, music in this is fabulous, yeah. and I was just like, oh, oh, it's bringing me back to the yeah. 80s um, and ni- early 90s, I guess, but um, the most moving moment, and I don't remember the skater's name, was a really punk rock kind of skater guy who had been so hardcore that he spit at Tony when he was a a kid. And um, he shared how generous Tony was regarding the death of, of that skateboarder's son or child. I don't, I don't know. I think it was his son. Um, and he had that same guy had said something not so great when Tony's father died. So he was very moved and he got choked up and he was very moved at the generosity of spirit. And I, I just loved that. Um, but ultimately it was hard to watch the punishing aspect of try it again, try it again, but it was also thrilling to see when he landed it. Yeah. So I get, you know, I don't know. I, it was a world I would not have really looked into so i'm kind of glad i saw that aspect of it but um but yeah it it was very male dominated very you know gritty kind of thing but yeah what do you think i didn't mean to watch this (laughs) 
Um, I, I want to be honest about that, uh, that I uh, was up one night and I hadn't taken my pills until late and I had to sit up for an hour. Oh. And I was like, well, what's on? And it, it was just about to start. And mm. I was like, oh, I'll watch a couple of minutes. I'm not a big Tony Hawk fan. It was all during the years when I was in college and graduate school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't watching TV, didn't really. I mean, I was aware of who he was, but wasn't watching any of this. Mm-hmm. So it was like coming into it pretty fresh eyes. I also want to say that this was directed by Sam Jones, who I've always wondered, what in the heck does Sam Jones do? Does everybody know who Sam Jones is? Do you ever like turn on the TV and there's a guy that's interviewing very big celebrities all in black and white and they're mm-hmm. sitting in two chairs like this, but it's all in black and white mm-hmm. and he does these in-depth interviews? That's Sam Jones, oh. who typically is known as a photographer. Mm. So I thought, oh, this is so fascinating that this is being directed by Sam Jones and most of the footage in it, I mean, there's interviews, but a lot of the footage is, it's like home movies mm-hmm. and competitions that he did. So I found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So having said that, I think the best thing in the movie is the soundtrack. Mm. I'm totally with you on this. And I thought that it was a very mm, glossed over, let's make Tony Hawk look even better than he has in the past kind of look at anything that was hard or difficult. They kind of like would go, and then this happened. And then those, and then well, watch me land this jump again mm. that, you know, I mean, we got to see the ups and the downs a little bit, but, um, you know, so he, he works really hard and his dad helps him and he starts landing the jumps and he gains fame and buys a house and is married and has kids. And then somehow like everything, the, the bottom falls out and the marriage is having trouble, but then that wife disappears, disappears into thin yeah. air. We don't mm-hmm. ever hear what happened. We don't really know what happens with those kids until much later in the film you where we see the adult child, child mm-hmm. the oldest child say, yeah, you know, he was an interesting dad. Um, you know, and we don't go into any of that. Then, you know, he's back on the rise again and he's, mm-hmm. you know, a star again. And there's like a one little, like maybe minute long segment where he's like, oh, and I kind of lost my way and there might've been some drug use and I really had to hit rock bottom and I had to ask God for, and now everything's great. <laughs> and you just go, maybe that was the story. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the, mm. maybe focusing on how hard he had to work to get land that jump. Yes. The jump would have been interesting, yeah. mm. but instead it was just very, uh, mm. skateboard porn mm, mm, with really mm. good music. Mm hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And isn't Tony Hawk great? And 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 my goodness, the man's a legend, mm-hmm. and he certainly has earned it with his fearlessness of you know, literally. I mean, the, the name is great too. Until mm-hmm. the wheels come off, yeah, because that's what he's going to do. Yes. Oh, and that seems that was one of the other skaters basically said that it's like a compulsion. Yeah. They 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 said that people don't understand what they get out of it, and I thought, yeah. well, I guess that's true of a lot of high level athletes that that or risk takers that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. it's a perseveration. Yeah. Our community understands yeah, that. Yeah, it's a perseveration. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and sometimes perseverations can lead to not focusing on other things that might save your life. Right. Um, right. And we all understand, like, what's the difference between a, a passion mm-hmm. and a perseveration? Mm-hmm. And this is a perseveration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, if you like Tony Hawk and if you like to see landing skateboarding, you can stomach all mm-hmm. the falls. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, the soundtrack is worth showing up for. Yeah, I so, agree. But I it is agree. a very male look at it. Yeah. All right. So our next, our next documentary uh, is uh, Wham! Talk about do- Wham! Soundtracks. Directed by Chris Smith. 
Andrew Ridgely and George Michael, of course. And um, I had actually just been texting a friend of mine about Wham! because when we were, he and I were in London in 1985 and we saw Frankie Goes to Hollywood, oh, nice. the Hammersmith Odeon. And when we were there, we were looking around and we were like, hey, isn't that the other guy from Wham? <laughs> And um, otherwise known as Andrew Ridgely. Yeah. And this documentary gave me just a greater appreciation of that other guy from Wham. Yeah. Because he, you know, it chronicles their their years of success, of, uh, 81 to 86. They, they did have a lot of success together. And then eventually George Michael launched a very successful solo career. Um, and I love that... Andrew Ridgely was not bitter, you know, at least the way he appeared. I mean, he actually yeah. doesn't appear in this documentary. He's not on screen. And I read somewhere that that was a choice because he says, well, George can't be on screen with me, so I'm not doing it. Um, and he looked like he had just a really great time and, and was, you know, happy that yeah. it happened and, and not bitter that it ended. And he shared that George showed very quickly that his songwriting ability was was just exponentially getting better and better. So he was kind of like, oh, yeah, you're the guy. Yeah. And um, yeah, and there was a point where they had, George had shared with them that he was gay. And the other members of the band were, and Andrew were really supportive. And I thought that was great too. Um, the footage of their concerts with the in the eighties with the clothes and later on the Live Aid concert and the, the recording of "Do They Know It's Christmas" uh, uh, in uh, the UK. It took me right back. I could almost smell the Aquanet. I mean, yeah, it was like yeah. I remember this well. I enjoyed that, um, you know. And I liked it's a often when you see these band documentaries, it's about how they all ended up hating each other and yeah. um this did this was nice they you know and and sadly of course george michael has since passed away but um it was it was nice to hear him hear andrew ridgely speak about it from his perspective you know and i it was fun yeah i mean i enjoyed it because i would watch anything with wham mm -hmm. uh right because that's a time uh, yeah. from my life that you know um but i'm not buying it <laughs> okay. I'm not buying it. I, you know, if, if there was a subtitle to this movie, it would be Andrew Ridgely's a great guy. Ah, okay. Um, and let's all not forget that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not buying it. Okay, so you're uh, thinking of it like a propaganda, like we were oh, talking about Oh, it's totally a time. propaganda film, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. about, because, you know, at the very end of the film, I don't want to give too much away, but at the end of the film, it's like, well, you know, and George had to go and be who George was, and Andrew needed to go and be who Andrew was. And I was like who mm. is Andrew now what did mm. Andrew go and do mm -hmm. why aren't we talking about that why mm. are we not sharing what Andrew went on to go do mm. we all know what George went on to do where what happened to Andrew mm. and and there was mm. this element of well Andrew had things that he wanted to do too and I, and they never tell us what those things were what those things were and mm. so I'm not buying it I don't think uh, you know a, a, there's a reason why every movie we've ever watched about every band when somebody gets the person to be solo artist and go on that there are hard feelings there's yeah. a reason why yeah I'm not buying it. No, okay. Uh, and, and, and for 20 years, he was the other guy from Wham! Yes. And nobody knew what his name was. Mm -hmm. I'm not buying that there's not some bitterness there. <laughs> now, maybe he's the most wonderful guy in the world. And then in which case, I apologize. But I am the cynic that's going to say, I'm not buying that. Oh, wow. uh, and maybe, you know, like what a wonderful way to rewrite history now and go. And I, I said, you go do that. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, your writing abilities are so much better than mine. And I'm going to step out of your way and let. I'm not buying that. Okay. Not buying it.
Um, and there's another George Michael doc that's out yeah, right I now too, mm -hmm. and I haven't seen that yet, and I want to see I'm what curious. it says. Yeah, because I'm not buying it. Well, but lovely, mm -hmm. and I'll watch them in their bright pink and jump it up and down and wake me up before you go go anytime. Mm -hmm. Happy to watch it. Mm -hmm. Great, great, you know, opportunity to do that. And if the fairy tale is true. Yippee ki -yay. <laughs> um, I, I would be so happy if that were the case. Mm -hmm. But I read the moment completely different that he went to uh, to Andrew and his girlfriend, who was a singer in the band, and said to them, I'm gay, and that they were very accepting of it, but said, now is not the time to come out with this. Oh, yeah, they, that and, may have indeed been the and case. That, and that he it, said, and if, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. But that he said in the documentary they were the two worst people to have asked because because then I felt like I couldn't come out. Oh. And that that led to him being in the closet. Which longer. Longer and was, you know, very, mm. I mean, how can you be that? I, that makes me so sad. Mm. So I didn't feel like they were incredibly supportive. Mm. I, I thought that they were supportive of, oh, yeah, be gay, but for heaven's sake, don't tell anybody. Don't act that way. Mm. What's mm. the line in the one song where he says, you know, got a new face, a uh, new suit for the boys at MTV? Mm. Do you remember that line mm -hmm. from the song? Mm -hmm. And I felt like, oh, well, you know, okay, that's part of what that was. Mm. He was performing partially for Andrew. So mm. I didn't think that that was supportive. Mm. Okay. But... Um, all adding to my thesis that maybe Andrew Ridgely is not the hero of the piece, but you know, there we go. Mm -hmm. And now all the Andrew Ridgely fans are going to go, what is wrong with you? Uh, but I'm a cynical person. There I am. Okay. Uh, I think that's the end of our docs. That's the end of our, our stream of you docs. you requested a rewind. I did request a rewind. And you chose a very specific movie. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I immediately said yes. And then I was kind of like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. I wasn't thrilled about it at the time, but I ended up being very thrilled about it. Okay. So I'm going to let you tell, All you right. share, you talk. Well, it turns out Sleepless in Seattle, which is our Rewind film, it's the 30-year anniversary of that film. Uh, of course, it was directed by Nora Ephron and Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Ross Malinger. Uh, Malinger? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It. Um, and okay, the premise of this classic film is a widower's son calls into a radio talk show to find a new wife for his dad and a new mom for him. Um, for the kids out there, it would be like calling into a live podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk radio, right? Gosh. Um, so Hanks is the sad widower. And as it happens, Meg Ryan is listening. She's engaged to the charming Bill Pullman. Um, but we know this is not meant to be how you may ask. Well, he's pretty high maintenance. So that's our first clue. Um, there are a lot of references to an affair to remember. And my advice is if you haven't seen Sleepless in Seattle, maybe watch an affair to remember instead. Because mm -hmm. I, I love Nora Ephron. I do, uh, but this I think is just a stinker. I um, I don't <gasps> like this film. I think it's because she wasn't the screenwriter; mm -hmm. um, she was the director. There's a lovely tone, but I feel like the biggest and honestly the most unforgivable mistake in this film is that you keep the romantic interests separate. And um, when I showed this to my daughter, she said, did Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have scheduling conflicts? Because they're not in the same room. And I'm like, yeah, right? You're robbed of the electricity of the first time they meet. And, you know, because that doesn't happen until, spoiler alert, the last five minutes of the film, mm -hmm. you know. And um, 
I just, I also, oh, I have other important things to say. Um, (laughs) The only thing I think that makes this film beloved is Tom Hanks and Mae Ryan. I think that 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 was, they were both wonderful, but that made me even more angry that I didn't get to see them together being wonderful. Um, And I also kind of hated that the lovely Rita Wilson delivered a great emotional recap of An Affair to Remember, Mm -hmm. and then she's ridiculed by Tom Hanks and Victor Garber Mm -hmm. for being emotional about a film. And I was, you know, I don't know. I just, I thought Nora Ephron, I was surprised she directed it. I had thought she wrote it, and I'm like, wow, that's weird for her. But then I'm like, wow, she... I thought she knew romance better, and I, I was just, I don't know. So 30, it's 30 years old. 30 years ago, I was the weirdo who didn't like it, and maybe I still am, because I know everyone's oh, sleep in Seattle. I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> they're never together. And I, I don't, I hate that. I, that's the thing about romance, uh, romantic shows or movies or whatever. That first kiss, like, don't rob me of that. Right. you got to show me that. You yeah. know, and it's got to be electric, yes. you know, and yeah. So anyway, what are your thoughts? Well, here's what's so interesting, because you were the one that recommended I it. it. I know. And I was like, oh, because I remember watching it back when and not liking you it didn't way like back, it back when. Then. Mm. And I was a big Nora Ephron fan. And I was like, what in the heck is wrong? What? Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it for a lot of different reasons. First of all, I was single when I didn't like when I saw it and I didn't like it back then. And I was like, mm, mm. OK, um, and I'm somebody who's allergic to everything. So I hated that Bill Pullman was made fun of because he's allergic to everything. I hated that. Yeah. And and I didn't like the fact that they never got to be on screen together. Mm-hmm. And um and also the fact that Rosie O'Donnell played the sidekick mm-hmm. made me so angry because at the time I was trying to be an actress oh. and everything I would go out for, they're like, oh, you're like a Rosie O'Donnell. And I would be like, mm, mm-hmm. this woman has taken all the roles. I'm never going to get cast in anything. Um, so I didn't like that. But here's the thing. I wasn't thrilled about having to watch it again. And I watched it again and I love it now. What? I love it now. And I I thought that Rosie O'Donnell did such an understated performance. Mm -hmm. I did not appreciate the good performance that she did. Mm. I I absolutely loved it. I didn't realize, even when I made the slide for it before, that um, Gabby Hoffman plays the little girl in it. The little girl, yes. And I love her as an actress. Now, if you guys saw her on Transparent, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. what a brilliant actress. I love Tom Hanks and I love Meg Ryan and I love that they were separated Mm. because here's what I've learned from K-dramas is that the the longer than you can make the wanting, mm. the longing happen, the more powerful it is. Mm. And so they did meet before the end of the film, mm-hmm. but they didn't get to be all over each other and in the sack before right. the end of the film. Right. I love this mm. um, because there was a moment, mm-hmm. it, you know, there are, there are, Three total moments before they see each other. Yeah. when they when they're and I love that, and I guess now that because when I first saw it, I didn't know what my love story was going to be, mm. and mm. so I was like, "This is crap." And now that I do know what my love story is, I'm like, "This is great. <laughs> this is wonderful." And what an under now there are, there are problems that don't survive mm-hmm. because of the the you know the fact that. There's a there's a scene where a, a person underage gets on a plane and 
and that we don't call the police. Yeah. Like, you can't get over that in, yeah. in 2023. Um, so it is dated mm-hmm. in that respect, but I thought it was great. Wow. I loved okay. it. I'm a believer now, and I hated it before. That's so funny. So I am shocked. I'm shocked that I still hate it. Yeah. I, I just, And you, rec- you recommended, recommended it, and you hated well, it. I think, I don't know that, I hadn't done the rewatch yet the, at that point. And I said, uh, oh, it's 30 years old. And I thought, maybe my mind will be yeah. changed because 30 years have passed. Um, and that's always an interesting thing to show things to my daughter because she yeah. looks at, she's 23, so she looks at it with completely fresh eyes. Yeah. And, and I just love when she just went, are there, did they have scheduling conflicts? What's going on? You know? Yeah. And I'm like, I know. And um, yeah. And actually my uncle worked on this film. He was a uh, best boy, I believe. On oh, this film. Yeah. how yeah. fun. Yeah. So it, I, yeah, I don't know. And um. I thought it was a very offbeat love story, okay. like not your typical formula, Okay, but I like keeping them apart. Mm. Um, I like, look, th- we've been talking about this so much about, because if you haven't watched the phenomenon that is K-drama, it's really a thing you got to watch. I have not. You, and your daughter has to watch yeah. if you're going to be yeah. a writer in any kind of production because it's, you know, mm-hmm. Netflix is, is now sinking millions of dollars into K-drama because they're doing so well. Okay. Um, and, and it's a very specific thing and one of the things that they do well is they set up a conflict where our our young lovers cannot be together mm. and that they must have this longing and this separation uh, a reason why they why because otherwise with today's mores if you watch any uh, you know romantic movie you know they meet and on the first date they're yeah. in bed they're and, in and it's like mm-hmm. it's like okay I, do they even like each other do they even know who each other are mm-hmm. so the cage dramas are are doing this and people are buying it because it's a little bit more, I don't know. Mm. You know, I think it's, it's more about the fairy tale of love. Mm. Um, trying Mm. to be, you know, but that's what I love. I want to see the fairy tale of love. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think I was. I feel like there's a an in between somehow. Cause I, yes. Yeah. Because I. Think, but it's yeah. a finesse to get yes. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the K drama, they don't have them, you know, on opposite sides of the country the whole time. Right. But you have to come up. The key to a K drama is you have to come up with a conflict of why these two people cannot be, be together. together. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you know all the Bridgerton, mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. And the good Bridgertons have a good reason, and the bad Bridgertons have a, mm-hmm. a reason that doesn't hold water. Right. Right, right. But that's the key is that you got to set up a place where there can be longing. And I thought that Sleepless in Seattle did that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there right. we go. There we go. My never opinion. Know, never know uh, what's going to happen on a rewind. I know. <laughs> I am shocked. I'm just shocked because I thought for sure you were a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's our movies for this month. But we, you know, we've already got some things in the hopper for next month. But we want to hear from you guys. What kinds of things you're watching? What are you interested in? What would you like for us to compare notes on? Mm-hmm. Anything is game, whether it's television shows. Um, series, uh, whether you, a movie, it could be something that's just streaming. Mm-hmm. Things are going to start to thin out a little bit because yes. of the, the, strike. the strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll definitely, we're interested in any suggestions that you guys have of things yeah. that... Or rewind you, films, you know. Yes. I'm happy to look, look at an old classic again because, you know, yeah. it's always a, always a delight and an interesting perspective. Yeah. What are you looking forward to seeing right now? Well, definitely the Barbie movie. Yeah. I just think that's going to be... I'm a big fan of Greta Gerwig, and yeah. so I'm interested to see how that, how that plays out. Um, 
I'm, I, I want, I, well, oh, there's a, there's a new Pixar film, the elemental uh, that yes. I would, I kind of would like to see that. And then, uh, um, I don't know. I know that, uh, well, there's the mission impossible film that's in the theaters now, yes. I believe. And then, um, uh, Oppenheimer. Oh, Oppenheimer. That's yeah. the other one. Yeah. yeah. Oppenheimer. Ah, I yeah. feel a little bit of trepidation because it's too. a three hour. I think it's three hours. I think so. Ooh. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's an interesting because it's uh, what's his name? Why can I not think who the director is? It's Chris Nolan. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so Chris Nolan hurts my head sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this is a pretty straightforward story. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I want to see how kind of like the Wes Anderson thing, like what quirk he brings to it. Right. How he's going to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Um I am now excited to see Barbie, but um, begrudgingly. <laughs> and and I, you know, if I'm sitting here in a month saying how much I love the Barbie movie, we will all be shocked. We'll be shocked, yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so it's funny how, but everybody I know cannot wait to see Barbie. My it's daughter's going hoopla. tomorrow night, I think it opens. And yeah. she's going with a, a bunch of her friends and they all are wearing pink and they are just super excited, you know? And I was very conflicted uh, when she was a, a child of giving her Barbies to play uh-huh. with, but I grew up with Barbie and I thought, well, you know, cause there's yeah. the whole feminist thing or whatever. Yeah. And I love that. That's what I love that it's in Greta Gerwig's hands, you know? Well, yeah. So I that's going to be interesting. The big quote is that Margot Robbie got the script and read it and said, oh, this is such a great movie. I'm so sad that it'll never get made. Mm. They won't allow this to get made. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I've, I've been in the movies theaters so often lately and they play, you know, the big preview, <laughs> the, the trailer for it. And it very clearly says, if you love Barbie, Barbie, you're going to love this movie. And if you hate Barbie, you're going to love this you're gonna movie. You're going to love this movie. And yeah. I, you know, I don't think I fit in either category. I loved Barbie mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I played with Barbies and like most of the, everybody else I know played with Barbies, but I did not continue that obsession as an adult. Yeah. And so (laughs) where a lot of people, and I'm not, there are a lot of friends that I have that did, that Mm -hmm. they have like the collector Barbies Mm -hmm. and things. I'm not throwing shade on that, but I just, it just wasn't something that that wasn't, that wasn't that I collected blue ball jars. Mm. I I mean, you know, (laughs) so I don't have Barbies and I didn't have a girl Mm -hmm. like, you know, okay. So, well, I'll, uh, but my husband is redonkulously excited to see this movie. And I, and I keep saying, who are you and what have you done with my husband? What? And, and, and my son is thrilled to see it okay. too. So, and you said your daughter is thrilled yeah, to see it. Yeah, she's thrilled to see it. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'm waiting to hear. I want to get the text as she leaves the theater of, yeah. of what she thinks of it. So we shall see. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what I'm looking forward to is season two of Good Omens. I don't know if you I saw I don't know that. It's an, I believe, Amazon. Okay. Um, and it has David Tennant and um, oh. Michael Sheen. Okay. And um, it's based on a Neil Gaiman, um, Terry Pratchett book and okay. they did season one and now they're they're doing season two so i'm excited about that 
Wonderful. There's a bunch of things on Apple that I can't wait to see, but I can't think of a single name of any of it, but there's a bunch of space things on Apple that have either just come out or are coming out uh, that I'm all about. Like I think one is called Invasion. Oh, yeah. I'm all about this. Yeah. Looks interesting. Yeah. Lots to watch. There we go. <laughs> uh, for the moment, and then it'll all run out. Yeah. So uh, there we go. All right, you guys, we're back on Monday with a Parent to Parent Autism Live, where we're going to be talking about my top five tips for getting funding for autism treatment. Nice. Because, you know, if you don't have the money to do it, you feel like you're on the outside. So make sure that you tune in for that. We've got a big week for you next week, but I hope that everybody has a great weekend. Thank you so much for being here and doing this. Thanks for having me. I enjoy this more than I should. Like, I I mean, like, even the fact, I I love it when we disagree. I know. That's just not I know. We're both like, what? what? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we hope you guys enjoy it too. Uh, But thank you for being here with us and we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.